You're listening to Stories Behind the Songs with Chris Blair. For more information, you can find us on Instagram and TikTok at SBTSongs or check us out at ChrisBlair.com. Hey everybody, Chris Blair here, and this is another episode of Stories Behind the Songs. And this week I sat down with Marv Green. Marv's got so many cuts. I read all through them when we sat down together and it was a list so long that I could not get through all of them without taking a breath. It's just incredible the success this guy's had. He is from California, moved to Nashville in 1993, and it took him about five months to get signed to his first publishing deal, which he's still with today at Warner Chapel. After getting signed, It was about five years after that that he had his first number one with George Strait. And in this episode, we're going to talk about tons of the stories with the songs that he's written. Songs that he's got out with guys like Morgan Wallen, George Strait, Lone Star, Bon Jovi. Just so many great things this guy has done. Um, We're also going to talk about his take on the difference between Nashville in the 90s and Nashville today. Tips for writing with some of the greats, how to build connections in the city and what he did when he first moved here, and also how he still stays active working in the industry, writing and putting out hits every day. He was actually leaving right after this episode to go to another write. So he's just a great dude. He's been playing the listening room since day one in uh, 2006 when we started. And I love this guy. I love this episode. Hope you do too. As always, if you do, Hit that subscribe button, share it with your friends. We love when you spread the word because we can't do this without you. And the more people that know about it, the happier it makes us. So keep doing that. Let us know what you think and I hope you enjoy it. Let's get to it. Here's my buddy, Marv Green. Hey everybody, here is another episode of Stories Behind the Songs. I'm your host, Chris Blair, and today I am with Marv Green. How you doing, buddy? I'm well. Good morning. Man, I'm so excited. I'm going to I'm gonna pull this out and read it for everybody out there listening because this is just, uh, we'll see if I can do it in, in one breath, but <laughs> you have, uh, you're from California, mm-hmm. uh, and we're going to get into the whole story of how you moved here in 93, sure. um, but uh, you have got songs that you've written for George Strait, Merle Haggard, Willie Nelson, Reba, Jewel, Eric Church, Morgan Wallen, Dirks Bentley, Lone Star, Faith Hill, Brooks and Dunn, Tim McGraw, Kenny Chesney, Carrie Underwood, Bon Jovi, Jason Aldean, Chris Young, Dustin Lynch, Jody Messina, Leanne Womack, Sarah Evans. I have to breathe. I couldn't do it. Marta, <laughs> Martina McBride, Jessica Andrews, Kelly Prickler, Brad Paisley, Rodney Atkins, Billy Currington, Danny Gokey, Joe Diffie. I could go on and on, but man, you, uh, you've got a list. It's crazy. It is. uh, You know, it starts with one and then it just hopefully, you know, one by one. Yeah. You add. And, you know, a lot of them are like, I can't believe that happened, really. Yeah. Yeah. You you also have a very unique story. And, you know, everybody talks about like, hey, Nashville's a 10 year town. And a lot of times it takes a lot longer. You got your first deal like within six months or so. Correct. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. So, um yeah, real quick, my brother and I were playing, uh, we had a band, you know, ever since we got out of high school, uh, of sorts, uh, a country band, a covers band. And, and, uh, prior to moving to Nashville, I, I, uh, entered a true value GMC country showdown with him. And so that kind of got us, um, it got us out of California. We actually, the finals were in Branson, Missouri. It was filmed, uh, with Kenny Rogers and Doug Stone, um, but my introduction and my connection to Nashville was um, I met a DJ from California who befriended us. And he said, if you ever go to Nashville, uh, I do know someone there. 
And so I just kept that, you know, in the memory bank. And then yeah. once I got settled, uh, I was lucky. I, I landed here and, I, you know, I waited tables and answered phones for JCPenney catalog. But I was also instantly writing, writing 100 percenters and, and trying to figure out how I could record them uh, inexpensively. Uh, a great guy, Cam King, a Texan, recorded me for cheap on 8-track. And once I had six together that sounded good within the first, you know, four months that I've been here, I reached back out to Tom, Tom Kifuri, a DJ in California. I said, who who did you know here in Nashville? You said you knew someone and I wouldn't mind. You know, I've got some music I'd love to share. And he goes, oh, my wife's uh, cousin is a guy named Scott Hendricks. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know. I believe in doing your homework, and I certainly did mine. I knew who all the producers were and, and uh, a lot of the writers, too. And, and so I said, well, oh, my gosh, I know who Scott Hendricks is. Is there any way you could call him and tell him I'd love to drop him off some music? And so he said, uh, sure. And, um, you know, I didn't know. At this time, Scott was starting a publishing company called Big Tractor, a, a, a venture with Warner Chapel. And so, um, you know, it was timing. The right songs hit the right desk at the right time. Scott had told Tom, you know, I'll get back to him within a couple months. I'm real busy up producing records and stuff. But uh, Scott actually called me like three days later and said, man, I'd love to meet you. I love what, I'm, what I hear here. So, yeah. so that, that expressed it for me. I mean, it's interesting you said 10-year town. When, when I moved here in 93, I bought a little clunker car to used car dealer and uh, – ship and and he said well just nothing's going to happen for five years so when i moved here it was a five-year town <laughs> and it took five years for your first uh number one ironically right? yeah. the guy says nothing's going to happen now you know i got signed within you know five months but i did not have uh well yeah so five years to the date almost of moving here i get a, a number one song with george Strait. so that's crazy yeah yeah Pretty, pretty amazing. So for me, I guess it was a five-year town. Yeah. Well, going going back to California, were were you in music your whole life? Um, yeah. Uh, early on, before even instruments, um, my brother and I. Art Art Green's my brother, and he um, he runs cattle on a uh, big ranch um, in California now. But he still sings and plays. But my brother Art and I, we uh, had this little blue. Uh, and a lot of us had them, these little blue suitcase record players. And so, you know, you just pop the top and they still make them. But um, so we got handed down a bunch of 45s from relatives. So we had everything from Elvis to uh, Don Gibson to Johnny Cash, the Sun, little singles, you know, yeah. a little bit of the Hag, Hank Sr. And so we, I don't know, we instantly, like this before we even had guitars. So we're talking like second and third graders and four. You know, we're just kind of sat in the room and just just put one record on a time and, you know, just kind of loved music. Um, and then kind of graduated from that to buying our first LPs. The first LP I ever bought was Waylon Jennings' um, Honky Tonk Heroes. And I think his was one of Hag's, um, you know, records. And so, you know, and then it went from that to going, wait, OK, so he's singing them. But then there's these names on the liner notes like songwriters. And mm -hmm. so. That kind of pulled our ear. Um, we fell in love with the music of John Denver. And mm. somewhere along the line there, my uncle brought this guitar. This is a this is a 1927 Martin uh, parlor guitar. My uncle, when we'd have um, 
we'd we'd have barbecue grill out get togethers and he'd have this and he'd play a little this was it was strung gut strings so he'd play like a little flamenco you know, and just we'd be like, "Ooh, that's cool." And I don't know between that and John Denver and some of the acoustic music that was happening, we just got guitars, you know. Yeah. And my brother got better than I did at first, and he had a little bit stronger of a country voice. And um, you know, I kind of okay. And here's another thing. I mean, you can laugh, but Hee Haw was on every Saturday night. Yep, And I mean, Hee Haw brought into our house, because, you know, you're talking about Channel 3 came in good. Other than that, we didn't have a thousand channels. Yeah, It brought a new country artist to our house every Saturday night. And we're like, oh, man, there he is, you know. And, and so that had some magic to it. Um, Casey Kasem. I vividly remember, this is all by the time I'm driving already, 16, but I, I remember, you know, washing my car and and listening to Casey Kasem and going, gosh, it would be amazing to have a song on this countdown, you know? And so it's kind of all that stuff and it yeah. builds. We, um, we, we entered a, like I was an eighth grader. Uh, we entered a, a contest, a local, like, you know, talent show and we won that and, you know, little things like that started playing weddings and uh, get togethers. And then by the time, you know, we're out of high school, we're playing in bars, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> so you, you get to town, you, you do the, the, the country show down in Branson, mm -hmm. you end up getting to town, you get signed to Warner Chapel. Um, and then, mm -hmm. you know, walk me through like, what, what was it like for you when you started building your camp? Mm -hmm. Well, again, the beauty is so Scott, he didn't really have an office, but he said, go report to Warner Chapel and um, just show up there every day and meet, mix, go have coffee and meet some writers. So just showing up there and, and meeting people and, you know, again, very blessed that about the same time I land at Warner Chapel, Michael Knox lands as a song plugger. And here, you know, here's this guy who's on fire already and just loves, he's like Rusty Gaston, you know, he just, he knows what he wants to do and he's just great at it. And that energy instantly, you know, he started helping me get with certain people. I befriended uh, some songwriters that already had hits like Susan Longacre, Steve Bogard, Jeff Stevens. And so... You know, you don't get to write with them at first, but I think that FaceTime and just showing up and then, you know, they hear a little chatter or, or they hear a piece of something you write and they're like, oh, yeah, we should get together sometime. So that starts to happen. And then you get out and you play places like the listening room and um, and you meet. I mean, I met Amy Mayo and Chris Lindsay just out and about, you know. Yeah. And so, you know, you start developing your camp that way. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, would you say you're more, uh, on the lyric side or melody? I'm both. I, you know, yesterday is a great example and I, I love it when this happens. Um, I've only written a couple songs now with Billy Montana and Billy and I've been in this town forever. Uh, but yesterday is a great example because we were just like talking about a certain artist and, and, and we started just, just, I had an idea and we didn't even pick up our guitars. We, we sat for an hour just talking about the lyrical concepts of where it might go. And I love writing that way, and I love words. Um, so sometimes it starts that way with an idea, and you go, okay, this is what the chorus is lyrically going to say. Come up with some lines that you love. 
And then that's kind of the fun part to go, where does that lead you musically? Because every word or, or phrase, when you say them, have a melody to them or a rhythm. Um, so I love writing that way, but then sometimes it's literally just, you know, picking up your guitar and... Uh, I know something that I thought don't lie But I bought it on something out of night You know, you, you might just kind of jam for a minute and record it and then come back and go, oh, well, that sounds like whatever, you know. Yeah. So I, I like writing both ways, and whether it's guitar or piano or um, mandolin or something, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. I, some people are very strong lyrically. Some people are more melodic, and I, I like to do both. I like to play, you know? Yeah. But I also love words, and I love poetry, so. I love it. Yeah. Well, let's get into let's get into some of that. I mean, you've got uh, a huge list, so let's talk about the stories behind the songs. Like, What is, what is a song uh, or a couple that you've got a great story uh, of how you came up with it, um, the whole experience of writing it, how it got to the artist and all of that, like, yeah, I mean, every song's different. Um, one of my George Strait hits, uh, we kind of just snuck into it. I had uh, a few. By the way, I'm going to interrupt you because that's just, <laughs> for everybody listening out there, you don't hear that phrase a whole lot. One of my George Oh, well, I only have a few, but, but, <laughs> but, yeah, I'm, but... I'm, I'm happy to have them. <laughs> uh, it's not like Dean Dillon who has like, you know... <laughs> Records full of George Strait hits. But, um, you know, and this is a, a good example. I was just playing with words um, and just sort of the natural order of things. You know, sun shines, clouds rain, train whistle blows, guitars play. Just I had these little things, you know, like that. And I was leading to, uh, um, um, it's in a different key, but I was leading to... Um, like when I had that bit and I was like and I love you and Jim Collins my co-writer a Texan he's like we can't we cannot call this song I love you and I was like all right and I said why I love you is not a bad well it's just not it's not you know if it's a George Strait or a thing like that and we didn't know George was going to do the song that was an example He's just not going to say, leave it at that. And I was like, all right, well, then there's another piece to it, you know. And so we're just jamming. And and I was like, well, maybe it's, it just comes naturally. And he's like, no, it just comes natural. And I said, well, my English teacher might be a little upset with me because <laughs> it's really, it just comes naturally. And I go, but sing it. And so he sings, it just comes natural. I was like, so, you know, so we kind of. You know, when you're when you're writing about a subject matter and, and you just kind of let the melody and the words kind of dance with each other. And, and that's a good example. And now you listen back, you're like, well, he would have never sang. It just comes naturally as good as he sang. It just comes natural. Yeah. You know? So that's, you know, a good example. Um, sometimes uh, sometimes it starts with a title like um, like Wasted, a uh, song that was recorded by Carrie Underwood. I had the concept, but for me, I had part of that chorus, and um, but I was reflecting on my life. Like when I started writing the lyric idea to that, I was writing about um, 
if I stay where I was, and again, beautiful country, I love my home, uh, and I still call Southern California my home, Santa Barbara County, beautiful, but I knew if I stayed there, I would be playing in bars forever in my, my life and my, you know, uh, creative, uh, whatever gift or whatever, it would be wasted. And so I was just thinking like, if I stay here, I was reflecting on back then mm -hmm. and just like, uh, if I don't do something, um, my life's going to be wasted. And so I, I had written that piece. I brought it in and I, I kind of shared it with Troy Burgess and Hillary Lindsay. Well, I could tell instantly Hillary thought I was talking about breaking up with a person when I was really breaking up with a town, but I didn't yeah. tell her. And so she started taking off on the first verse about this girl, you know, uh, standing at the back door. She tried to make it fast. One tear hit the hardwood. It fell like broken glass. And so I was like, hmm. So she thinks this song's about a breakup. So, but let her run with it. And so we did. And then I hit her back with the line about uh, pouring raindrops uh, through a cloud. And, and so anyway, it just kind of built that way. And, and, um, and Troy started coming in with that, you know, that kind of tempo, more yeah. of a tempo vibe. So, you know, it's the beauty of co-writing. You, you kind of share a little piece, but you don't tell your co-writer everything because they may bring something entirely different. Yeah. Uh, another case in point, I have a song uh, on the uh, Morgan Wallen's um, first double album he did, and um, uh, it's called Silverado for Sale. And so, you know, that song, I had the title, I had the idea but I kind of shared where my head was, um, and my head was like, well, we're going to sell this truck because, again, I'm chasing my dream and I can't, I can't afford to keep the truck. And, and Dallas was like, we're not going to, we're not going to sell a vehicle and a song to move to Music City. And I said, oh, really? I said, well, why are we selling the truck? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and this is what happens in riding rooms sometimes. He goes, what if we sell the truck to buy a diamond ring? And I was like, oh, that's pretty good, you know? And so then we go down that path, you know? So, yeah. yeah. And then you just have, you just, you know, something like creeping. I mean, Eric, this is a second song Eric and I wrote. We wrote a little bit on the first record and didn't make the project, but um, he was working on the Chief record. And he shows up and he's a little late, a little hungover, and, and he's just got this little bit. And, you know, he's like, well, I just got part of a verse thing. And it's like... Like a honeybee beating on my screen door Got a little buzz and my head is sore From my bed, I can feel the sun Lord, round here the morning comes I mean, he had at least that And he might have said like, hey Ben or something I was like, did you just say creeping? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah I was like, okay And so, you know, don't know where the song's going And we just hop in and go, you yeah. know And the song takes us there And that song, you know, written on a couple of acoustic guitars And and then, uh, you know, I, I kind of forgot about it. And then um, Eric's wife called and said, wait till you hear what they're doing in the studio to the song. And I was like, what are they doing? <laughs> Last time I heard it, it was like a couple of guys buy a whiskey still in the Appalachian Mountains yeah. or something. And so it's a big old rock record. I was like, what? And so then I, I heard it and I was like blown away by what Eric and Jay Joyce did to that song, you know, yeah. in, in the studio. So good. Yeah. Yeah. So... Every song's different. I mean, you know, that's the people. And I love to write songs by myself, but I just think about these songs and how they they wouldn't have been as good. You know, yeah, I could try to write a lot by myself, but 
it's it's fun it's songwriting is super fun if you get in the room with with somebody then it's really working you know it's, yeah and it's music i mean you're you're playing off each other you know yeah this episode is brought to you by sennheiser microphones when we first started this podcast we were using some older microphones and Sennheiser came in and sponsored us and gave us some MK4s and 914s. And I mean, I'm telling you, it's made all of the difference in the world. We love these microphones. We use them at the listening room as well. And I just can't say enough great things about them. Go check out Sennheiser.com. If you are into music in any way, their microphones are hands down the best on the planet. Go check them out, Sennheiser.com. And thank you, Sennheiser, for the support and the sponsorship. We love y'all. Walk me through, uh, you know, one of one of the biggest hits and, uh, you know, a song that was one of my favorites growing up, uh, Amazed by Lone Star. Yeah. Well, this is 1998. And... Um, I am living, uh, there's these apartments, the villager east, I guess they are, or west, <laughs> it's one of the villagers. It's in Green Hills right next to where Starbucks is now. I was living there. Uh, I just met Tasha, my wife, and um, Amy, Amy Mayo and I had been, we started, we we're starting to have some success, but I remember I met Amy at a party and I just thought she was crazy. She's this Gaston, Alabama girl. <laughs> and, and I don't know, she was funny. She's like, you know, we, we met at a party and next thing I know, we're sitting out in her car listening to music and talking about writing. And then, you know, we went on to have like a Joe Diffie cut together and, uh, we were on Faith's second record with a song called Me, an album cut. But anyway, she, we hung out. We went to Exit Inn. We went to, you know, back then, 328 and um, Skull's Rainbow Room and those kind of places. Um, and just listened to music and hung out. And she was around me enough and saw some of the girls I was dating or at least spending a little time with. And she knew when I met Tasha that, you know, I'd, I'd met the one. And so she called me one night and she's like, Mark, I want to write a love song tonight. And kind of laughing. And I was like, okay. And, um, and it was kind of late. I said, you want to write like tonight? And she goes, yeah, get over here. And I said, okay. <laughs> so I get over there and I was like, okay, we're going to write a love song. Good. And then Chris Lindsay pulls up about the same time I do. And I said, oh, so the three of us are going to write a love song. And then I started putting it together that Amy and Chris were falling in love with each other. And, and so, um, you know, I walked into the house and she had all these candles lit and, you know, we <laughs> had some bottle of wine and, and just kind of that that was just three people that were just falling in love um you know me with tasha and, and those two and it was just real we didn't you know it's funny because that song chris was playing piano i had my guitar and we're just trying to figure out where to go melodically you know off of that verse off of the g and the next thing i know you know one of us hits like a this b flat bit and then I, we were just having fun with it, just going, what can we do that's different? And so then we do a key change in the chorus. And um, and uh, I remember, like, going, the other thing about Amy, and back then, like, writers, we all used, like, the hot studios. Back then, County Q was, like, the place. Like, you had to get time at County Q and Berry Hill 
because those demos were working and you know it's kind of like and then it was like jamie's place over at uh, the ruckus room but you know there was a studio but you had to book it out there was no way you could like now you could probably write a song on monday and get it into a studio on wednesday but back then it wasn't happening yeah. she had to book it out like a month two months so amy had a session the next day and she needed one more song that's really why she called me <laughs> to write a love song but i'm glad she did you know and we were in the studio and it was like when we get to that um every little thing that you do and we were like we kind of were mumbling some different stuff you know uh there and we finally landed amazed um by you or or amazed something and and so it was our publisher you know we weren't sure what exactly to call it and our publisher just said just call it amazed no not you know we all know McCartney's got a baby. I'm amazed, and you know, blah blah blah. Just call it amazed, you know. Keep it just. And so we just said, okay, let's just call it amazed. But I honestly like, and and the other thing is, we were also writing uh, with a, a guy, a great friend of mine, Bill Luther. And so you know, my voice is okay. It's you know, it can lean towards Tom Petty or a Jackson Brown thing every now and then. But it wasn't right for the song. Bill Luther was around, who's a soulful kind of little bit of Rod Stewart, a little bit of McGraw, a little bit of, um, I don't know, like meatloaf or, or not even, he's just a soul, just, you know, super, you know, just feel it when he sings. Lee yeah. Bryce, Lee Bryce does that to me yeah. too. But anyway, so, uh, Bill was around. We talked Bill on the singing the demo and, um, next day, and back then you just like instantly get it mixed. So we mixed it. And I remember driving home going, I love it. I don't know who in the heck is going to record it. Because it sounded, you know, it didn't sound like what was happening at the time. It was, you know, pretty progressive for, for what was happening at that time. So, And then, you know, next thing we know, Dan Huff hears it and he takes it to Richie and Lone Star and, and the rest is history. I mean, that, that song, I always say, you know, a lot of times with my career, songs like, they know where they're supposed to go, you know, yeah. and, and that song knew, and I can't imagine anybody else singing it, you know, now other than Richie, you know, I mean, I've heard other versions, but you know, yeah, his voice, he killed it. I've got, uh, I've got several things in my basement, um, that have been given to me over the years and mm -hmm. there's a Richie Keach and, uh, Dean Sams, um, gave me a framed, amazed lyric all the lyrics uh -huh. and they all the whole band signed it Aww. and i've got that hanging in my uh in my basement it's oh, one of cool. the one of the coolest things that's been given to me but i've just i've always loved that song man oh nice yeah yeah i mean you know it's one of those i still get <laughs> oh this is marv green he wrote amaze i was like well yes it's true i've written some other stuff but hey if that's the connection and it's funny because that that song transcends because a great example um my daughter is going to college in south florida so we moved her in this fall and uh so you know it's frantic move in hurry up hurry up we got a window of time and i had a second and i was starving so i went back to the hotel for a minute just to grab uh stella forgot something and so i went back to grab it and i, I said to the front desk i said hey i said I'm starving. Is there like, do you know, like a good little sandwich joint, like right around the corner somewhere? They're like, oh yeah, go see Louis. He's over here around the corner. It's French bakery sandwich. I said, all right. So I go around 
I walk in this place and there's this French man talking to somebody else and it's not real busy. And so I walk in. He stops his conversation. This man has never seen me. He stops conversation. He looks at me. He goes, you are a writer. And I said, yeah. <laughs> he goes, what do you write? And I said, I write songs. And he goes, ah, oh, I knew you wrote something. I knew. It. I just knew it. And I was like, okay. And so we talked for a minute. And, and so he's like going, well, okay, so what's kind of songs? And I said, well, songs for like, you know, George Strait. Um, Blake Shelton, Tim McGraw, Faith Hill, Carrie Underwood, Eric Church. He's like, yeah, nothing registered. He's like, okay, well, I don't know these things. He goes, but I know you're a writer. And so, and so I said, well, I said, there's a chance you might know something. And so in the middle of the cafe, I go, every little thing that, and he looks at me, he goes, stop. And he goes, every little thing that, and he sings the whole chorus back oh my to me. Gosh, and he amazing. goes, this song, this song. <laughs> and he just grabs me and hugs me. And I was like, this is great. I love this, you know. So he knew that one. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, I, I think that also, I was thinking about a, a, a point with that. I was like, you know, we're talking about all these iconic hits that you've written, mm -hmm. um, mostly in country. Yeah. What is it? How is it different or is it different with, you know, songs that you've written for, like, say, Bon Jovi? Well, the Bon Jovi thing actually happened because of Mays. So we were out at the Grammys, um, got nominated for a Grammy. We lost to Shania Twain, but um, <laughs> but we were nominated. So Grammy nominated songwriter is not terrible. But uh, we were out there and this guy that was running um, the label that the guys were on, uh, John Claudner was the, the dude, you know, and he's got a history with Aerosmith and just a bunch of rock bands. So we somehow meet John and we're sitting down there and he goes, uh, I want to get the Bon Jovi, the guys, um, Richie Sambora and John, they want to come to Nashville and do a writing trip. And, you know, I'd love to have you write with them. I was like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so didn't think that much about it, but there was something set up. And so um, I've got these names in my, my schedule. And so that morning I was like, and this is, I had a little ranch house just um, uh, west of Green Hills, just a little bit. And um, they were scheduled to write with me as, you know, John Bon Jovi, Richie Sambora. And I was like, well, I haven't really heard from anybody, but I've got this in my schedule. They have my information. So, um, you know, just thinking this could or could not happen. Anyway, whatever. I think it was an 11 o'clock start time. About 10 minutes before 11, my phone rings. And I was like, hello. And he goes, hey, this is John. We'll be there in about 10 minutes. And I was like, holy cow. John Bon Jovi and Richie are coming to my house. <laughs> <laughs> my little ranch house. Because, you know, I was starting a success, but I didn't, you know, I had a, a decent little ranch house. Anyway, so um, next thing I know, here comes this black SUV pulls up and it's, you know, John and Richie and here they come. They walk in and, and they're working on the bounce record. And, uh, you know, that was John's a very good songwriter and he knows what he wants. We sat there in my little, I had a little writing room and, and uh, Richie was always kind of the the clown kind of having fun cutting jokes and you know making everybody smile and john's very serious and, and i don't know we wrote this crazy little song and ended up on uh that bounce record not in the states but it's on like it's weird it's on some european and uh versions i have one of the 
<laughs> when we had Tower Records here, yeah. I actually was was walking through Tower Records one day and I saw it. I was like, there it is. It's actually on. You know, they had an import. So that was pretty cool. But that was just, you know, kind of follow John's lead and, and Richie's playing some amazing guitar. But that's one of those surreal moments. You know, you're just like, these guys are in my house. And, yeah. You know, and Jewel was, when she, I've written with her, but she was actually working on, you know, somewhat country uh based stuff and uh, she did a couple records that were recorded here so yeah yeah <laughs> what advice would you give a new songwriter that's coming to town now with how things have changed since 93 when you got here well my nephew is a good example he's uh, just turned 20 he started at belmont um and i mean yeah he had his uncle me to give him some good uh, pointers, but I think super important is, yeah, I mean, learn from people who are already here, meet those people, but also get out there and meet your crew. I mean, if I look at my career, um, those, like, look at Chris and Amy. I mean, we landed here at the same time, so mm -hmm. I think it's a blend of of try to meet some people and learn from the established writers, but also figure out who your class is and it happens again and again. I mean, if you look at whatever team or crew like Morgan Wallen's, you know, there's kind of a little group of guys that kind of landed here at the same time and, and work together, you know, and, um, it happens. And, and so I think there's value in, in the new and the, the let's get them, you know, kind of like, okay, well, we're after you. We're going to chase that and we're going to become the new thing, you know? Um, and then also, yeah, try to, if you can, you know, meet and learn from an established writer who's had a hit or two or three. Um, that's good too. You know, um, I would say when you get those rights, I would say, come in with some stuff. I mean, I'm fascinated by, um, the, you know, every now and then I'll have a new writer. It's either set up through my publisher or whatever. Um, they'll come in and they'll go, you know, and I can't wait to see the fresh, new, never heard of thought yeah. come across my table. And they'll sit down and they'll go, all right, so what do you got? And I'm like, what do I got? <laughs> yeah. Again, yes, I have a lot and I have some stuff, but... Chances are, you know, when I write with Lee Bryce next week or when I get back with Eric, that's where my my gems are going to go. So I would say if you're new, I mean, if you do have those opportunities, you know, work, uh, you know, get your garden going and, and bring in some some little pieces of things. Don't uh, don't expect to show up to a write and magic just instantly happen, you know. So and that's not always, but at least, you know. Yeah. Try to have a little something. <laughs> Great advice. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, you know, like, uh, you know, I don't even write that much anymore, uh -huh. but you know, I'm constantly listening and, yeah. and, and putting in my notes app yeah. on my phone, just different ideas. Sometimes I go back and I'm like, I don't even know where this came from, you know, yeah. but, um, but yeah, I think, uh, that's just such great advice for guys that are, are moving to town that, that, you know, start that list and don't expect to go into a room with someone like you and get a, get a, a gym handed to them. Yeah. So. Yeah. And, and, and it may not even be an exact gym when you bring it, but it could be the, the beginnings of, of something, you know, that I hear and I go, wow, 
that's that I hadn't heard that one before, you know, and that's, you know, that's the beauty when you do hear it. And it, it happens again. And I love that about songwriting because you think all the, all the ideas are, you know, they're written or taken. And then you hear something and you're like, oh, oh, oh. I mean, when I heard, uh, uh, is it written in the sand or written in the stars? You know, Josh and Shane and, and the old Dominion guys. I was like, oh, my gosh. I mean, what a cool, you know, yeah. stuff like that that you hadn't heard before. And you're like, yeah. And they're out there. There's a lot more of those ideas out there. You just got to mine for them and spend the time, you know. And that's the other thing, you know, spend days by yourself. I mean, I when I get canceled on, it's it's a blessing because now I've got a day where I can just start some some things you know and just have fun go play guitar and stumble into something or just you know open a blank page and just stream of conscious just just write whatever comes to your head most of it's going to be gibberish but every now and then there's a little phrase or word and you're like whoa i didn't really think about looking at that phrase that way you know yeah yeah, yeah. so it's fun I, i've been doing it you know i've been doing it here for 30 years and i still I still feel like I want to get better and I want to, you know, there's a lot more things to find out there. So, yeah. yeah. Speaking of 30 years, uh, you and I have known each other for a long time now, um, probably 17 years or so <laughs> since, uh, you know, the Franklin days, you're one of the yeah. the few that's played, you know, the original listening room. Everybody thinks of coming station is the first one, but, um, you know, you, you have, uh, you've gotten all this success and through the, you know, 18 years or so of the listening room. Now I've seen so many people on both sides of it that have come in with nothing. I've seen, I've seen the writers that come in and they're great writers, but they have no hits. And then they have hit after hit, after hit, after hit, after hit. And they're still dear, dear friends. Um, and then I've seen the other side where as they continue to grow, the distance then also comes with it. And, um, you know, the fame or whatever you want to call it kind of catches up with them. Yeah. One of the things I've loved about you, uh, you know, through the whole time is like you're, you always are very humble. Oh. Um, so what is it, uh, with what, it, what is that to you? Like what, what keeps you humble in this kind of business? Uh, gosh, I, I think life keeps you humble, you know? Um, I just think, um, you know, what we do is is great i mean i love what we do i just think it's it's a gift to be able to do it you know so the fact that i've accomplished i you know i look back at my career and it's just like you know it feels dreamlike when you look back to some degree um just you know i take it seriously but i don't take it too seriously you know yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i love it um, all right. A couple more questions that we'll wrap up. Uh, but man, thanks for, uh, thanks for taking the time. This oh, is, uh, it's fun. This, is, this <laughs> has been fun. Um, out of all the songs, uh, whether, whether they're one of those that's, uh, that's been cut or mm -hmm. not, um, do you have a favorite? Uh, people ask me that and I, I don't, I have different favorites for different reasons. You know, I mean, songs have taken me places amazed case in point. I met people I never would have met. I worked with people I never would have worked with because of that song. Got to go places. I still, I still get gigs because of that song, you know. Um, so I always love that song. I, I'll always love, I mean, an album cut that was recorded by um, Merle Haggard and Willie Nelson because 
I remember um, Leslie Satcher, a good friend, mm. co-writer of mine. We were um, Don Williams played a show at the Ryman, and um, and I thought it was so cool that she had a Don Williams cut, and um, I love Don Williams. But um, she said, Marv, if um, if anybody could record one of your songs, um, who would you like? And I said, Well, it'd either be Willie Nelson or Merle Haggard. And I, I said it, you know. Yeah. And um, it wasn't that long afterwards. I'm sitting in a room with Sean Camp. And Sean, Sean and I had success with George Strait, so we were writing for George. And then he said, oh, by the way, I'm going to go play acoustic guitar for uh, Willie Nelson and Merle on this. They're going to do another Poncho and Lefty kind of record. And I said, well, we have to write for that. And he goes, well, you know, Willie's turned down most of what I sent him. And I said, well, I have this idea, blah, blah, blah. We write the song. And they recorded. And, you know, I mean, it's never you know it was most people don't even know about the song every now and then i'll play here and i love that people will bring it up and, and i'll i'll do it but i mean that's just a favorite just because i you know i cannot believe that willie nelson and merle haggard wrote or uh, recorded something that i i uh, i wrote you know co-wrote that's very special so that's special um i don't know i mean it's that's just a hard question i, I just uh, Songs are like babies, you know, it's like... That's exactly what was just popping in my head. It's like, I, I can't remember. I think it was Victoria Shaw that said that same thing. That like, you know, it's like asking asking you, like, what's your, what's your, what's your favorite, favorite child? child. Yeah. yeah, you could never do it. I mean, I, I love different ones for different reasons. And then I also love, I love the new one. I love the new baby, you know. The new baby is always cute and fresh and <laughs> yeah. has, the, you know, the cheeks that you want to squeeze, you know. So I... I don't know. I mean, I, that's a hard one. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, man. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, all right. So to wrap up, uh, yeah. always end with this question. So uh -huh. uh, if you are able to go back to eight-year-old Marv in California. Eight-year-old. <laughs> and you're sitting here with all of this knowledge, but you're talking to your eight-year-old self. What advice do you give yourself today? Wow. Um. I would just, yeah, just, I don't know how or why, but even eight-year-old Marv, um, he was a dreamer. So I'll just, you know, I don't know, just say keep dreaming. Um, you know, you can, you can do it. Um, uh, I mean, you know. Now I get to retain the knowledge and, and, and tell them <laughs> it's tricky, you know, because mentors are so important. I realize now. So if I could be some kind of a whisper, <laughs> the whisperer, I would just tell him just to keep believing, you know, because you can talk yourself out of a dream. Uh, but yeah, I would just say, yeah, keep on believing. Yeah, I love it. Brother, thank you so much for sitting down. My dude. pleasure. Yeah, yeah, it's been a blast. We'll, uh, we'll do it again sometime. Absolutely. Love it. All right, everybody. This has been another episode of Stories mm -hmm. Behind the Songs with Marv Green, and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Stories Behind the Songs with Chris Blair. Make sure to give us a follow on Spotify if you enjoyed this episode, and make sure you click that notification button so you can keep notified when new episodes come out. We release brand new episodes every Tuesday, and you can find us on YouTube at Stories Behind the Songs with Chris Blair or anywhere you listen to podcasts. 
Don't forget to send us a comment letting us know what you thought of the episodes. We love getting your feedback and share this with your friends. The more we grow, the more that we can keep doing this. It's our mission to bring you all of these great stories behind the songs from some of Nashville's most iconic artists and songwriters, publishers, producers, everyone in between, and a lot of my great friends. We love what we do and we love sharing their stories with you. We appreciate all of the continued support. Thanks also to all of our sponsors and we will see you all next week.